I have a word to bring to you tonight, and it's a word of encouragement, uh, because when I sat here on Sunday uh, morning, uh, the Lord uh, spoke this uh, verse in my heart, Galatians 6, chapter 9, this is the first verse, but then my text actually goes back into Hebrews, and it says, don't be weary in well-doing. You're going to reap if you don't faint. You know, and it's easy to say those words, but the truth is, is that what we as a body need to know is how. How. If you've noticed um, with this lengthy season that we've been through in the last couple of years, um, I don't think willpower gets us very far. Um, I think, you know, you can cope. You can cope with willpower, but you can't, um, you're not strengthened from your own willpower. You have to have the strength of the spirit. And so, in a, in a nutshell, um, the, the strength for the believer comes out of the prayer life. That's where your comfort will be. That's where your instruction will be. Thank God that's where your correction will be. And there is such a strength and a power in the spirit that I am compelled tonight to talk about it to this church because God loves you so much. And he wants to strengthen you right from your inner man, and it will affect your outer man. And he wants to cocoon you. And he wants to bring you answers and provision. You know, um, Pastor Nancy was in Georgetown, and I try to go on, and of course I don't see all of them, but the ones that were on YouTube, she said something that caught my attention. She said, Pastor Debbie was preaching, and she said this. She said, when this season hit the church of COVID, she said, um, I, I noticed, she said, that those that didn't back up an inch just kept doing what they knew to do, kept going to church, kept being faithful, kept tithing, kept just doing the things they knew to do. She said, nothing changed for them. She said, even the ones that looked like it might have changed for a bit, like some of them lost jobs, but because they didn't back up in their faith and didn't change anything, she said, other jobs, better jobs were added to them. They stayed the course and even increased. She said, but for those that backed up, allowed the enemy to back them up, they begin to lose things. And so I pay attention when somebody says that because I want to check my own life to make sure I'm not backing up. Because the external pressure of this season is to back us up in many different areas, many different areas. I'm not talking about the vaccination. I'm talking about our life. I'm talking about our prayer life. I'm talking about reaching into the realm of the spirit so that we're knowing God better and more in this time. Because he wants to strengthen us. He wants to strengthen us and cocoon us. He wants to be that sweet place. Remember. Uh, pastor was reading on the, on the, the projector. It, he said that the mantle would be a blanket when you're cold. Yes. That mantle's our mantle. Yes. It's a shield for us. Yes. It's our place to be. It's our place. It's our strength to draw from. And it's a very real place. It's the secret place that we take a hold of those things. And so when I was sitting there, I could, uh, by my spirit, man, I could sense um, weariness, tiredness, fatigue, and my heart was aching for the congregation because I understand it, and I've gone through my fair share. I really have. And so he said, I want you to, I want you to speak on not growing weary, what it takes not to grow weary, how to excel in seasons where it looks like you shouldn't. 
and how to be strengthened with his might. And so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll start reading at verse 1. And it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great, about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And this is what caught my eye. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. But it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, but I thought about it. You know, we read about Jesus, and his whole life is there, and yet very little of it is there. If you think about it. Up till age 30, we don't really get to see much, right? And it's funny how in the Word, you know, you'll read and, and a, a total life is encapsulated in a few verses. Like if you're reading about Moses, you know, he was, he was in Egypt, he kills the Egyptian, and all of a sudden he's in the backside of the desert for 40 years, married with two sons, and, you know, he's left the glamour of Egypt. And, and we see it, but we didn't see the 40 years. And he's got no promise that he's going to be the Savior, even though his name means the Savior. And it means drawn out of water, and it means Savior. But 40 years pass. And because it's so quick in the Scriptures, just a couple of verses, we're busy getting to the burning bush. We're, getting, we're busy getting to the assignment. And it's amazing with Moses, and I'll get back to Jesus in a second, but it's amazing how... Um, we can skip the 40 years, we can skip the run of patience, we can skip the, the years that look like nothing. Nothing. If you read it, there was no angel saying, hang in there, Moses, it's coming. Like, I think we have at least prophetic words, you know, whatever. But he, did, he didn't have that. It says that he, he, left in, he left in a hurry, and all of a sudden his new existence is a desert tending sheep. And it's not even his, it's his father-in-law's, you know? And there's no word that says, I'm going to send you back. Just hang in there. This is a character developmental time. There's nothing. Just work. And it's mundane. But he does it. And then God shows up. And our church is doing it. And God's going to show up. God's going to show up. And it's, there's no doubt about it that these years are years of death to the flesh. There's this great mantle that has been given, and yet the Lord showed me on that seat. He said, there are those, not everybody, that are fainting. And this is what I heard him say. They are saying to themselves, if the mantle is given, why do we not see anything? And why does it even seem worse than it was before the mantle came? And he said, that thought has hit everybody pretty much. He said, but, he said, those that know how to anchor themselves will, will, will go through it. They will allow themselves to go through it and be strengthened anyway. He said, but then there are those that need the rescue of the word. And they need to be reminded that there are seasons sometimes of great waiting. And God talked to my husband about the mantle. And he said that 21, 22, 23 would be years of death. Doesn't mean that nothing will happen. Or there, that there won't be any acceleration. But it does mean that it's time to dig in. And it's time to believe by faith 
this great call that's been given to this body of believers because God's going to show up. His presence is going to show up. His angels are going to come and assist us and send so many of us out. And those that are here, that the assignment is here, God has so much for you to do. But he hasn't unveiled it all yet. He didn't unveil it all to Moses either. And he didn't unveil it all to Jesus. Do you understand what I mean? The Spirit. Jesus did what the Father said for him to do. But he had to follow the Holy Ghost. He knew his major assignment. It says he endured the cross. I love this phrase. I've asked the Father about it many times. Despising the shame. What does that mean? It means he held in low esteem the shame of what he would have to go through for you and me. He considered it so far down, he despised it as beneath him. That shame was not big in his eyes. It was, he despised it so he could rise above it and bring salvation to us. And that was his assignment. But do you notice the years he had to, there was nothing, just serving. I'm reminding you because I don't want you to be weary. I want you to know the season that you're in. I want you to be intentional. I want you to get out of bed in the morning. It's like that person that goes to university and they're slogging it out for three years, four years, sometimes seven years, sometimes 12 years if you want to be a doctor. And they keep, they keep there. They keep there under the pressure of the examinations and the studying. And there's no salary yet and they can see the debt just going higher and higher. Why do they endure it? So that they can get into what they need to get into because it's going to be worth it. They're going, it's going to be worth it. And you know what? Many do quit. Many people, when they're going through it, I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about even like studying to be something. They get into, I'm not talking about if God changes your path, but I'm talking about growing so weary that you cast off the thing that you felt you were born for. And so it's a very real thing, this fatigue that can come against us. And, but God has been doing so much talking. And one of the things I've learned about the Father is that when he does that much talking, you can be sure the enemy is coming to resist you. Much of what we do has to be done by faith. It has to be done by a deliberate training and releasing of faith, a deciding of what I am going to become, how I am going to be used, what is going to happen in my life. I had this conversation with Craig and then years ago with years ago with Craig and then with my one of my sons recently I was talking to him about um, who we want to be in our life and I said honey listen I said I've always I've already decided that I'm never going to be that woman that cheats on her husband or that leaves her kids I'm never going to be that person because I've already decided before I ever get there because I'm building something so I'm also aware of that while I'm building something I have to fend off the enemy of what I'm building I'm enjoying myself but I'm sober that something will come to try to tear it down but if I've decided before I ever get there I've, I've won most of that battle you know, and I was talking to him about you, you never, where you recognize your own weaknesses, you begin to stack up the word against your flesh so that it doesn't allow you to go there. Amen. I said, if you ever stack up your flesh without the word against something, you're, you're going to lose. 
So in terms of this mantle, we have to decide some things before we get there. We want to be used. We want to establish works. We want to be a house of praise. We want that hum of prayer to come out of this place. But we're in a very non-exciting season. We are. We're in a plowing season. And you can feel it. And there's a, there's a resistance. And I, I think, too, I think about Nehemiah. I think about Nehemiah up on that wall. And he had to be a builder and he had to be a fighter. And you've got to be the same thing. You've got to build and you've got to keep your eyes open for the enemy that comes to stop that building. And it's very real. It's very real. When I was in my 20s, I didn't understand. I thought I did. But I didn't understand how specific the enemy is in coming against us, in attacking us to make us stop the call of God on our life or anything that God wants us to do. It's more strategic than you'll ever know. And you know, if you've ever noticed, you make your biggest mistakes when you're tired. Do you ever notice that? You're your grouchiest when you're tired. <laughs> it's true for all of us. It's true. It's when we, we have to come back and apologize the most after we've been tired, right? You know, so, because I remember the Lord told my husband, he said, your wife doesn't know her limits yet because we just had a fight and I was mad. And, and it was true because I was tired. So I wasn't going to take it, <laughs> you know, and, but the Lord did minister. He was right though. When I thought about it, I thought, yeah, I don't know how to set those limits to protect. And our lives are actually as offensive going forward that we want to be. Much of the skill of life is actually learning what not to do, what not to allow to encroach, how to protect. What does that look like? How do we do that? And so this season for the church is to be sober and to recognize the season that we're in. We are building right now. And I would say because of the weariness, the devil wants you to believe nothing's happen, happening. It's not going to come. It's not going to come. This is just church. But that's not true. You know, when that angel showed up to Moses, I think we forget that sometimes. We think just the burning bush. But there was an angel in the midst of the burning bush. And it was such a supernatural thing, not just the bush, but the appearance of this angel to Moses and, and this great call that had to come forth. And as we're going forth, God is going to accompany this church with much angelic activity. But there is building going on right now. There is. And it's a season for at least the first three years where we are putting so much into the prayer of this church, the worship in this church, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God for everybody that's here, because we have to be transformed. And the spirit of God is willing and wants to do it for us. And he wants to come up on us and change us. He does. He wants to do a miraculous work in us. He does. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, um, when... When a race car goes around a track, the different tracks are always studied by the race car drivers because the track always is very important to how that driver maneuvers for his success. So it's the track that really determines very much of the elements of the race. And I was thinking about it. We have so much looking at Jesus, looking at Moses, looking at Joshua, looking at David, 
we get to study the track looking at them. You can study the track, but when you get in the car, studying it puts you that far ahead. But, and it's still a very new experience to you, but if you've studied the track, you can have success because you understand the route that you have to go in that car. It determines your speed. It determines, I know, I know the corner up there. I know to take that corner. Looking at someone else. Looking, getting into it because of someone else. So we're following after Pastor Nancy, and, and, and she's going to help us get into some things. And that's why he went to Merced to be with her, because he had to go. And we're, it's going to help the church. It's going to help him. It's going to help the church. But as I was thinking about it today, I was reminded of something. As we're following after Pastor, and he's following, and I'm following after Pastor Nancy, we're going somewhere. But, you know, it reminded me of John G. Lake. And we love his book, books. They're amazing. But if you go back to the beginning, he had a childhood I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Sixteen kids, and eight of them perished. He said he grew up in his home with funerals and hearses and weeping parents and deep, deep, sorrow and nothing could make it go away. So you had to know that when he was going through that, there were other families all around that were completely normal that were not going through any of that. Right? Because everyone's experience is not the same. And he was facing a situation and he telegrammed to Alexander Dowie, who was a man at that time full of the power of God. And I think it was his sister that was dying, and he telegrammed him, and the answer came back, hold on to her, basically, she'll be healed. Right? I'm paraphrasing. But he was that person ahead for John G. Lake. He stayed the course, and there was an open door for healing to flow. Because he was ahead. And John G. Lake stepped through that door. And if you notice, it was like an explosion went off in his life. Revelation that it was the devil that was the one who gave sickness. They didn't have that revelation at that time. That he was the oppressor. That he was the one who gave sickness. And God thrust him into a, a, a healing ministry that second to none, if you study it. Yeah. It was incredible. But he had to position himself. And things changed overnight. And then he began to be the person that was raising the dead. He began to be the person that that power flowed through. So it's like if you're sitting here tonight and your life has been one problem after another, tragedy after another, there's issues, God wants to use someone. He wants to use someone. And it would be, it would be your pastor and it would be Pastor Nancy, in this, in this body of believers, and Brother Randy and Brother Jerry Savon, anybody else God puts in the pulpit, but those three are the main ones, they open a door for us in the spirit for us to be able to accelerate. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. This is how the, the things of the spirit yes. happen for us. But to go from so much devastation and nothing into complete, a complete ministry of such power, this is what we need for us. Yeah. This is what we need for us. We need to be able to stay the course, 
so that we can step into an open door in the spirit and God is going to manifest himself in this place because that's what he, he keeps saying. My power is going to come. It's going to be called the glory center. He's going to rest it here. He's going to rest it here in this place. He's going to come. But there is a resistance before. Remember we always talk about when there's an open door in the spirit, there's many adversaries. Paul said that, right? The enemy knows that we are going to accelerate. And there is a great period right now of resisting. But it is going to change. It is going to change. And so I wanted to encourage you tonight that for the race and the joy that's set before us, press in this time. Let it be said of you that you pressed in this time, that you weren't moved, that you weren't outmaneuvered, that you stayed the course because God is going to pour out his power. I mean, I, I just, I think about it sometimes and I think, Lord, what are you going to do in this great revival? And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. But I'm telling you, if we will see the way we should see what's happening in the realm of the spirit, that resistance against us, instead of leaning away from it and being weary and being afraid of it, we can lean into it. We can lean into it. We can become, we always say that word skillful, but it's the right word. Becoming skillful in times of fatigue. Paul went through it. He talked about it. He talked about it. He would always say we were this, but, and then he would counter it with a word, you know. We were, you know, cast down but not destroyed. He always counted. He always countered it because it was extreme what he went through. It was extreme. But he was quick to let you know, yeah, we were this, but because of God, we were not destroyed. That's a big statement. All the things that they faced, and he's always countering it, but God. And our answer always has to be, but God. If, we are, if there's a smackdown that comes for the church, we're, we're like him. We have to have those words in our mouth because he didn't just have words. He had the power of God. This is, but we're not destroyed because God's with us. And they weren't. They weren't destroyed. They saw the mighty hand of God move so often. And so looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, my, my mind began to go through the different characters in the word who were real characters, but they're in heaven now and how their lives were spent in so much preparation. So much preparation. Look at Noah. Yeah. He knew it was, the rain was coming. Yeah. In a generation that didn't know God, didn't want God. But he was compelled by God. And we're compelled by God. Yeah. We're those people. Yeah. We're the Noah of our generation. The rain's gonna come, Amen. but there's an ark. There's a Jesus. There's a fullness of God. And God's going to say that of us in our generation if we're faithful. Because I said to Craig, boy, Noah had it tough. He's a real person. He's not, just a, he's not a storybook person. He's real. That was his assignment, and he passed it. Right? And then you've got Abraham. What a, that, was, that was not an easy assignment. He was all alone when he started. 
But look what God did. Because he was counted worthy in his generation. And I want every one of us to say we were counted worthy in our generation. And to remember that we're doing it all for Jesus. All for Jesus. And so this season, yes, has been a heavy season. It's been a tough season. But I know that if we respond right, and I believe we will, we will not be weary and faint. We may feel weary, but we will overcome. We will pray our way through it and be made strong. Because the Lord uses those terms often in the word. They were made strong. They were made strong. And I believe promise of life is being made strong. Full of the Holy Ghost. Knowing how to pray. I actually believe in this time of pressure and resistance that we're going to learn how to pray. That we're really going to learn how to get in the Spirit. And I believe as, as just in the near, fu- near, near future, like the dawning of 2022, that God's going to do something with our prayer life in this place. And I believe he's, he's happy with the faithfulness that he's found, but I believe that because there's been a foundation of prayer laid, now he's going to lay more on us. He's going to give us greater anointings to pray. And so as we build momentum with that prayer, this is going to turn into a a true house of prayer where we are able to get in the spirit and get things done. You know, when you get in the spirit, you don't leave without being changed yourself because you feel his might in that place. You feel what he thinks, how he views things. And even just seeing how he views things and coming out and repenting that you thought so different from what he thinks helps us grow, helps us change, you know. And he's the author and he's the finisher. So he's going to finish as long as we don't quit. No quitting sense. He's going to finish. He's going to finish with us. He's in the journey with us. He's got his hand in our hand. He's with us. And he's got a place for us to go and a place for us to occupy many places. But in the spirit, we're going to get it done. And so if if this season is more wearying sometimes than you think you can handle, you have to get yourself into the the secret place. That's where Jesus was found a lot. He was found, he, he tucked away. When you've got 12 people that are traveling with you, that are always with you, You've got to be solid about this is, this is the no person time. You know, this is me and God. Seriously, it's just there's, some, there's a solid thing that has to come in building it. I'm encouraging you to build a place of prayer in your life. A place of prayer. A great place, a habitation of prayer. And to come into the things that God has for you. So you can have it all. All that he has for you and all the weariness that you're facing today, you can cast it off. You can be strengthened. You can be strengthened. Because the season's not going to last. Because he's, he's not talking like that about 24 and 25. And I'm not saying 22, 23, 24 is going to be, you know, I'm not, don't add, okay? He's got good things for us in every year. He does. He really does. But he expects us to walk it by faith. 
When you're in faith, yes, there's a different sound to you. You know when you're mimicking and you know when it's coming straight out of your spirit. There's a, there's a sound that will not tolerate plan B. Or there's a, there's a sound that will not tolerate... Um, a, it's, it's, there's a weak sound to it. I can't explain it. It's just, there's a weakness. There's a, a vacillating. There's a smallness. There's a, the voice of faith is not that way because it, it's constantly in the realm of the spirit feeding on the word of God. And it, it has a sound to it like no other. And you can tell when it's not there. You can tell when it's not there. Oh, glory to God. So, you know, for Jesus, it says here in verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He was constantly contradicted. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So the word actually says, look at him. Just look at him. Look what he, look what he went through. And it says, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's the picture of the garden. That's the picture of the cross. But that's the picture of mental oppression, striving to blood against sin. And the word tells us, don't be weary, look at Jesus. Because you haven't, you haven't gone through what he went through, so there's so much in you to resist. You've got what it takes to resist oppression. You've got what it takes to resist being fatigued and weary and fainting. You do. You got to do it by looking at Jesus and keeping your eyes on him. Remember that beautiful story that almost reads like poetry about he called Peter out to walk on the water? You know, Peter asked and he came out. This, there was a storm there. And we're quick to judge Peter. But Jesus is standing right in front of you. You know, but, right? We're quick to judge Peter. We are. Sure. Why would you faint like and start sinking? He was standing in front of you because of the storm. He, got, he saw the storm made him afraid. It looked impossible. It looked like he was going to drown. Even though he wasn't drowning, even though he was walking, he saw the storm. It must have been a terrible storm. For him to not be considering fully the fact that he's walking on water. For him to look at the storm, it must have been quite a sight because he started to sink. And I, I, we're not going to sink in this season. We're not. We're going to pray our way through. God's going to get us through the other side of it, and he's going to be revealing beautiful things, powerful things all the way through, and he's going to chasten us, okay? He is because he loves us. We hear that all the time, but it's the truth. You come out of his presence... And if you've been fleshly, you can feel it. It doesn't feel very good, you know? And so we don't want to live there. We want to we wanna run the race. We want to be chastened so that we can flow with him. There's a fluidity with him. There's a, a righteousness that marks our life. There's a strength that marks our life. And so we need to be chastened. And uh, I'm going to read it to you. Let's see. It says, verse 6, actually verse 5, it says, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourgeth every son that he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. 
For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And then there's the, the strength of the next verse. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. That's strong words. What's he saying? You're not like him. You're not joined with him. You're not walking with him. There's no likeness there. You're like an illegitimate child, but not a son, right? But he wants to do that. He wants to correct us. He wants us to walk higher through the power of revelation, through the power of cleansing, the sanctifying. You know, whenever there's a... um, a revival, if you read in past revivals, there always comes a tremendous cleansing. Tremendous. Have you ever felt like you were doing pretty good and you were, not not proud, but you think, I'm doing good, I've got this straightened out, I don't do that anymore, I do this, and I'm doing better. And that's not wrong to think that. But then you get in a move of the spirit and you're on your face and bawling because you can feel your uncleanness. And it's not in a bad way. It's in a holy way. And so for the revival that's coming, there is going to be a move of this chastening, of repentance. Because we, unless we're living in his realm, we're missing it in some areas. Thank God he doesn't expect us to be perfect, but we're missing it in some areas. And he wants that cleansing tide to come and wash us. But why would he do that? If he's done his side, why all the need for all the cleansing? Why? Because we're not as clean as we need to be. And it's not just actions. It's an internal work. If you study the revivals at all, it seems to me some of them would weep for hours and hours and just birth out groanings and cleansings by the Spirit because God was planning to build something on them. But he had to move in them first. He had to move in them. And if you look, most of the times there was much striving before there was any move at all. It was like people just decided they were going to seek God. And if you look, it's like nothing, 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 nothing. It's great storytelling when you're going through it. Doesn't feel so great. Right? It's a great story. Look at that. But he's he's gonna do the same thing here. He's gonna do the same thing here. Let me let me say something too. My husband shared on Sunday that he felt like a great, he said the word like hatred for this country. But there's a disclaimer in there because he said to me privately, he said, it's not hatred. It's it's just this great desire not to hinder the work of God. And he said, Canada is the primary. He said, I know that I've always known that. He said, that is the perfect will of God. He said, I want the perfect will of God. It's just, it came upon him so intense that if there's even even a sliver of a chance that we could abort it. It was frightening. That was frightening for him. And I don't believe we will. I don't believe we will. I I don't even entertain it. Because I know that God is turning this place into a place of prayer, 
And what we lack today, and all of us do in ways, it's not condemnation. He's going to build us. We just have to say, here I am, Lord, you know, send me here, send me there. (laughs) But he's going to build us. But I believe with all my heart that there is coming a movement of prayer in this place that we will begin to see by the Spirit and begin to birth things out by the Spirit and begin to understand that that's actually what it takes. When I was younger, I would always think this way. Lord, you did so much. You suffered so much to give us what you gave us. Why, when we talk about revivals, does it seem like so much work? Why so much prayer? Why, I mean, I'm not against it, but why you did so much? And see, I was missing the man side of it. I was missing our part. And, and I was missing the fact that when, when Adam handed over our dominion, that dominion for us was lost until Jesus went to the cross. But God was not seen on earth anymore and neither is he today. He's in heaven on his throne. And that darkness is so dark. But so he works with us for us to understand. If we understand now that he's given us back the dominion, we have to exercise that dominion through prayer. And that's why there's the intercessions and the groanings because he can't come in on the scene, even though he wants to, until the church uses her dominion to cause him to be able to come and do what he wants to do. He's almighty, but the message of sovereign God, the way that it's been taught to so many, there's a falsity to it because they miss the man's side. God is not ruling this planet. The church is if she stands in her dominion. She's been given back her authority, but if you've noticed, the church needs to stand up and take her place in prayer. And even just, they're not even, the church is not even learning its place in prayer properly. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the worldwide church. So what is God doing? He's taking a remnant all over the world. We're part of that remnant. We are part of that remnant. And he's pressing upon us by his spirit. It's time to pray. I want to move. Let me move. Lay down your life so that I can move. And so we forever have to do away with that notion of, why isn't God moving? (laughs) No, No, we pray so that the power of God can come through our dominion. Through our dominion. And so he has been impressing upon the whole church, the global church, but on this place, you've got to pray. You've got to get position because I want to pour out my power. He's been, you know the Lord, he's been wanting to do this and it's been aborted. He's been wanting to do this. He's not holding back. The church is not in position. There's a conditioning of your spirit and a conditioning of your soul that enables you to be in the presence of great holiness and a great move of God. And people think that they can handle it without the preparation, and you can't. How many stories do we have of power, and yet the person, without the integrity, without the waiting, without the yearning, without the prayers, without the conditioning, can't handle it? Because they didn't understand how much hell would come against them. It's not God, your enemy coming against an unconditioned soul. 
a soul and spirit that doesn't know how to fast, that doesn't understand spiritual things, that doesn't understand how specific the enemy is. When you don't understand those things and he sets a snare for you, you will fall. Because you need the wisdom of God. You need the conditioning of God. You need the power of God. It is good for us. This season of press is good for us. Do you understand we need it? We need it. Sometimes you have to be brought so low so that you can open your eyes to what, is, what it takes to climb up out of it. Have you ever had something terrible happen in your life? And then you realize all the other things didn't matter. If you could just get up out of that hole. We're in a place where God is yearning and trying to condition us and trying to get us to turn to him and become spiritual. Because there's going to be much loss if we don't. And like I said, I don't believe that there will be loss. I believe we're going to step into it. I say that with sobriety, but I do believe it with all my heart. I believe because of the mantle and because of the light that has come and the revelation, I believe we will succeed. I do. I believe we will. But we have to lean into the conditioning. We have to get up with the, with the, the mandate for prayer and a true prayer life being the complete central focus of our life. During the COVID season, uh, my, my prayer life deepened. I, I felt the call, calling, the yearning of God. And it deepened. But it's almost like recently, in the last, well, actually, probably in the last month, there's come a knowing, like a shift inside that is sobering. But it's, it's wonderful, but it's sobering. But there's, um, it comes almost like a warning. So you have been faithful, but now more is required. And so what will that look like? And I expect you to do your assignment. But he's filled with love when he says it. Do you understand? And so I'm looking at this now and I'm thinking there's been uh, increase in prayer and increase in seeing. But now the new year dawns and it's a different year. So now I have to revamp things. And I would dare to say, I know January 1st is considered the new year, but for this church, I think December 12th yeah. is the new year. In terms of laying it down, laying your life down before the Lord, doing a review before the Lord, so that you know that as you're dawning into January 1st, it's like a light start. You get like two weeks ahead, and then you go into the new year with yourself ready. Because how many of us know if you're not ready, the time just goes, your condemnation grows. You know, I should have, I should have, I should have. This is not that time for I should have. This is the time where prayer becomes paramount. And if you don't like the long stretch, break it up. Do whatever works for you. Because I've learned with prayer, it all works different for all of us. It does. My mom couldn't walk and pray if you paid her. I love to walk and pray. Love it. I can get in the spirit walking and praying. If I couldn't, I wouldn't pray that way. I'd do it another way. So, what time is it? Am I almost done? Yeah. So I just came in. I just felt almost like a mothering anointing come on me today to come and talk to the church and tell you you're not alone. The season will pass. But recognize the season. There's a press to it. There's a press to it. And embrace it. Lean into it. 
and learn how to pray. Learn how to trust God. Learn how to say the opposite of what you see. That's, that's negative. Learn how to say the opposite of what you see in the natural that's not pleasing. Because that is the walk of faith. This is our time. Lester Sumrall's not here. Dad Hagen's not here. Dad Dufresne's not here. This is our season. This is our time. And God knew we would be here and he knew what the world would look like. He did. And yet his word hasn't changed. And he's full of power. He's full of power. And so as we go into the new year, don't be weary. Decide. You decide. Just like you decide to train for something, just like you decide who you're going to be and who you're not going to be. Because we do decide. We are what we do. I know there's many motivations to you know, good and evil and whatever. But I'm just saying, we are at the end of the day, we are what we do. And this is a house of prayer. This is a house of worship. This is a house of revelation. This is a house that when it hears that the next three years, there's a dying to the flesh so that we can pick up and enlarge in the spirit, we have an internal yes. Yes. And God will meet us there. We give too much credit to mankind. God will use anybody that says yes. We give too much credit to people. We admire them, respect them for saying yes. I do. I do. But it's, it's the power of God that comes into a person. How in the world? Just, just think of it. Okay, you're Moses. Your life's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not. Right? You had glamour at the beginning. Now you got nothing. Seriously, if you read it, it maybe I'm assuming too much, but it just looked so not glamorous at all. And so then God comes and you feel his presence and you feel his omnipresence and you're afraid, rightfully so, because you can feel the spirit realm, the might of that spirit. And he has this tremendous conversation with God. But like we're looking and seeing what's coming. He didn't know what the plague would look like and turning the river to blood. and he, he didn't know. And you know, it says right up front, it says right up front that God told Moses, you go in and tell him that Israel's my firstborn. And if you don't let my firstborn go, I'm going to kill your firstborn. That's what God said right up front. And look at the mercy. Told them right up front and then went through all of this and finally had to fulfill what he said. But Moses is going by faith. He doesn't know any of it. Just, there's no army. There's no training. One person, no training. Killed somebody in their past, can't speak. And all that happens is that God shows up and gives an assignment. And Moses can't see anything that's going to come. How in the world are you going to go into the most powerful nation on earth where your people have been slaves for 400 years with no plan? Moses has not been doing this all of his life and now he's ready. Oh, I've cast that power and, you know, blood, you know, I've done this. Okay, God, I got it. Okay, we practiced here. We're going to go and we're going to do this. None of it. None of it. 
None of it. He had no training. How is one man and his brother Aaron going to walk in and talk to, the, to Pharaoh, the new Pharaoh, tell him, you know, you do what you're going to do. God's going to get us out of here. And then goes in and things get worse. The people get mad. Pharaoh's mad. The, the Israelites are mad. And Moses says, I wouldn't do what you said, and it got worse. He did. You read it. And we're, we're seeing, see, we have the advantage because we see God's going to show up. Moses, why are you scared, Moses? He didn't see any of it. He went in with nothing. Nobody except Aaron. That's it. It was utterly impossible. He had nothing on his side but the Almighty. And the fact that he said yes. This is not a fairy tale. This happened. Moses knew his own weaknesses. You notice God made up for his weaknesses? And I think he did that because Moses still said yes, even though there was a little bit of insecurity, fear. He's got to go and speak to the king, and he stammers. I think it's legit. And he walks into this nation where they were seeking to kill him for what he did. Like, none of this is good. None of this is good. None of this. How do you lead out? How many millions were there? Did they say three with women and children? How are they going to... Do you understand? There is military might. There, there's a system of might. They're encased. They're entombed in it. They hate the Israelites. They are slaves. They have nothing going for them. It says they worked them with rigor. They killed their babies. They, 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 there was no regard for life. And Moses is walking in with a rod. And he hasn't seen the power of God. Not really. He's seen a visitation. God didn't say you're going to do, okay, Moses, I got the, the booklet all set it for you. First, you're going to do this. Don't worry about it. The people are going to get mad at you, but I'm going to come and I'm going to do this. Moses had to keep going to God. He had to keep going to God. I have a feeling his spirits lifted when he began to see the first signs of power, when the serpent ate up the serpents of the magicians. But, you know, he did have something going for him, and it was... It was more than enough. He had a visitation with God. And that gave birth to the rest. And we are preparing ourselves for a visitation from God. And if we're honest, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know how the heavens are going to open up and come down. But we're going to say yes. We're going to say yes because God wants to, first of all, he wants to revolutionize and bless us. Really. But he wants to get through us to them, to the ones he's longing for that don't know him or that have been lied to about him because they don't know him. And so we have an assignment and we're going to despise the shame of that assignment so that we can experience the joy and we're going to endure 
whatever we have to endure this season, and I don't mean that in a weak way, I just mean the resistance and the persistence of the enemy, we're going to endure it because we're going to overcome him by the blood, by the blood of our covenant and the word of our testimony. So Jesus did his side, but he has to fill us up with a spirit of revelation and knowledge about what he's done and what we're to do so that we can walk in it confidently, Amen. so that we're not afraid. Amen. We're not afraid. When we go in and we look outnumbered, outmanned, outpowered, people are smarter than us. They have more than us. They hate us. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you look through the word, any of the main characters, it was all God. They just said yes. It was God's power. It was God's bigness. And so this church is going to go out into all the world because of God's bigness. And we're going to help. And we're going to cause souls to know him. And healing is going to come. And miracles are going to come. And we're not going to despise this day in this time. Right. Yeah. We're going to allow God to develop us. Yes. We're going to, not, to resist all fatigue and we're going to decide who we are before we ever get there so that we will endure and come out the other side. And whatever the pain of this season, whatever it's caused us, it won't matter. It won't matter when we get what we've been praying for, what we've been resisting for, what we've been uh, pushing and pressing for. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing it for some years. It doesn't mean that you can't have it. You will have it. Stay the course. Stay the course. This is a call for a church. This is not a call for pastor. This is a call for you guys. And it's a call where we fit right in there with you. We fit right in there with you. But it's for everybody. When I was younger, I didn't see church that way. I didn't understand that I was a part of the whole, an important part. But now I do. And so we're constantly telling you, you don't just come to church. And you know that. You don't just come to church. We're the church. We've got an assignment to do together. We pray it out. And listen, right now my husband, is, he stands here and his voice is being heard. But you know what? All your voices are important. And some of you are going to go out and do your own works. And, it's, and your, your voice is going to be heard in that body of believers. But every single one of us, we're part of that voice. That voice is our voice. Every bit of it is a, it's a sense of unity. It's a sense of oneness. And God's been trying to build us that we would understand that, that we would move and walk together and that we would not faint. And so you're not going to faint. You're going to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And he's going to come on you and he's going to work in you a great work and you're going to be changed into his likeness more and more. And you're going to become people of great prayer. And in that great prayer, God is going to give you his wisdom and his revelation. And your walk of the spirit will grow and increase to the point where you will not recognize yourself. 
You will not recognize who you have become, but it will be marvelous in your sight because you will have the word of the Lord in your tongue and you will have his healing power in your hands and you will not be afraid when trouble comes because you will know who you are because you walk with God. You walk with God. You've been conditioned by him. You've been shaped and built up by him. You are able to receive now the things that you couldn't receive before because the spirit of revelation and knowledge is working in you. And you will walk as one and you will understand the unity of the spirit because truly unity is of the spirit. It is a spirit realm thing. It cannot be accomplished by men alone. It is of the spirit. It's like learning to walk in love. It's not from your mind. It's of the spirit. Learning to forgive. It's of the spirit. And it's potent and it's powerful. And we're going to fulfill our assignment. Every one of us is going to fulfill our assignment. And changes are coming. They're coming. But don't be afraid of them. Because the, the spirit realm is hidden. As soon as you begin to pray and get into those things, you'll soon discover that's where the true riches are. That's where the true riches are. That's what God wants for us. Oh, glory to God. Lord, I love these people. My husband loves these people. You've, you've formed something here that's precious to us, Lord. And Father, we're going to fulfill our assignment. I ask, Lord, boldly, and I know many of us, if not all of us, are asking, Father, give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know the hope of your calling, the riches of that glorious inheritance that you put in your saints when you raised him from the dead, when you raised Jesus and gave us authority. You gave us your authority, Lord. Lord, I ask for everyone that calls this place home, Lord, that you would do a deep work in them, that you would come upon them, that you would make your home, Lord, in a new way in them. And Father, begin a transformative process in all of us, Lord, for we need to walk with you in such a close measure, Lord, that we would know you and make you known, Father, that we would know your power, that we would know your spirit of might, that we would understand and have eyes to see what you are showing us, that we would have hear, ears to hear, Lord, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that we would be intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit and with power, that we would know and understand your presence. And Lord, I thank you that what you began in this place, Lord, you will see it come to pass. You will see it fulfilled. And oh, the joy, Lord, of seeing your assignment come to pass, Lord, in this place, in this city, in this province, in this nation. Lord, I thank you that you no longer allow us to walk ignorantly, Lord God, but cause us to see, Lord, what you are saying to us, that we would fulfill, fulfill, fulfill the assignment that we would not be uh, low in our self-esteem or our measure of who we are because you are upon us and we are important to your kingdom, God. And I thank you, Lord, for every piece. They are a piece of that puzzle, Lord God, that you would pour out your love upon them, that you would pour out your presence upon them, 
that you would pour out your great blessing upon them. And that the days of struggle, Lord, for each one of them it's so specific, but that it would be behind them, Lord God, and they would walk more fully in their call and more fully with you and more fully in the realm of peace because you have peace for every one of your children. Great peace. Great peace. And we shall be far from oppression. Far from oppression, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for that realm. Help us, Lord, by the moving of your spirit. Draw us, Lord, and do a mighty work in us, just as you did a mighty work in Moses, just as you did a mighty work in anyone, Lord, that you have endeavored to use by the might of your spirit. We are asking, Lord God, that you would fill us, that you would fill this place, and that everyone, Lord, would come into the knowledge of who they are in Christ, what they've been given, and what they are called to do. And Lord, I thank you that you pour out richest blessings upon this house, Lord, for we long to bless you. We long, Lord, to do the will of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can do it by the Spirit. We don't have to toil in the flesh. There's nothing there for us, Lord. It cannot equip this call. It cannot bring what this call needs. But Lord, the realm of your Spirit can knock down any enemy, can destroy any hindrance, can stop the work of the evil one against us in its tracks. Father, in that realm of the spirit is where your word is realized. The fullness of your word is realized in the realm of the spirit. It's where we see that we are on the offensive and not in a retreat. It's where we can boldly say, the Lord is our helper. I shall not be afraid. That's that realm, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, you fall upon this people. This precious people, you love them. Oh, you love them. You burdened for them, Lord. You love them. You've called them. And you understand them, Lord. You understand that they cannot do it without you. And yet you've assigned it to them. Because you expect, Lord, us to see you. You expect us, Lord. And you have surprises for us. And you have understandings, Lord, for us that we would come into a greater measure that we would know you and make you known, that we would do great exploits like Joshua, like David, like Moses, like Noah, like those, like Jesus when he walked the earth. You have that for us, Lord. You have it for us. And fill us, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us as you filled the disciples. And you raise them up to touch and affect the whole earth with power and with your presence. For you are mighty God. You are mighty. We say yes to your assignment. Lead us in your precious pathways, O oh God. Purge us where we are falling down. Purge us where we are sinful, Lord God. And we fall upon your mercy and we're so gracious that your love abounds toward us. And Lord, we thank you that you, this is your work. This is a sign to us by your spirit. And it's precious to us, Lord, and we guard it. We guard it, Lord, and we believe it will flow out of this place. And you will be able to pour your power onto this place, on this platform where you have refined your people by your spirit. And do a complete work, Lord, in us. And purge us. And love us into life and into newness of your life. 
your directions. For we love you and we love what you've called us to, Lord God. And we thank you and give you praise for you will do what we ask you to do in faith. And we're asking in faith, Lord, that you would transform this body of believers, that you would show yourself strong in our behalf, that you would lead us by your spirit into a promised land. And Lord, we thank you. You have promised us this land. You have promised us this land. And there are enemies in this land, Lord, but you said that if we would walk with you, if we would trust you, if we would believe you, you would cause us to go and to possess this land. And so, Father, we thank you. We are no different than our ancestors, Lord God. We're no different. What they accomplished with your power, God, we can accomplish, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And so, Lord, I pray upon each member that's sitting here and those that are watching, let all weariness flee from them. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that your spirit comes upon us now and strengthens us with might. And all the fatigue and weariness, we turn it aside and we look upon our assignment and we look upon you for instruction. And Lord God, I thank you that you will help them. You will do your word in their life where they can count on it. And even if they have tarried and waited, Lord, you will do your word. You will perform your word. It shall be established. It shall come to pass. Lord, we are speaking to mountains and some of them stand there with brazen face. But we speak and we believe and it shall turn. It shall come to pass. It'll be as we declare and as we say, for there is a sword that comes out of our mouth. It is the sword of the spirit. It is the sword of your word. And your word says whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it. You shall have it. Speak to the mountain. It will have to pick itself up. It will have to be cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, Lord, you said it shall come to pass. And we tarry and we press and we wait on you for this assignment shall come to pass. This assignment is precious and you only need a remnant, Lord God. And we press for this assignment and we thank you for this assignment. And Lord, we declare it shall not be aborted. It will come to pass. It is our assignment. It is our time, Lord God, to stay under your mighty hand, that you would develop a people whose shout would come up into heaven in the form of praise and prayer and might, knowing that those Jericho walls have to fall. And so, God, we circle those walls. We circle those walls. And we hear the trumpet. And, Lord, we thank you for the shout, the shout of victory. And we shall see it. It shall come to pass and we will walk into our promised land. We will go over and Lord, that mantle will pick up the power of God as we go. We shall see an increase like we have never seen. And Father, we believe you. You said those that believe before they see, they're the blessed ones. They're the blessed ones. Father, we believe before we see that something miraculous has taken place. That a mantle and an assignment has been given from heaven. And we stand on guard for you. We stand on guard over that assignment. We declare its borders to go forth. 
We declare every enemy to be brought low before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and this shall come to pass. Lord, we thank you. We are Gideon's army. That rock and that flame, Lord, is your word and it's your spirit, and you gave that to us. You gave that to my husband. How fitting that a remnant would have to go to war and win. We're willing to go to war, but we're going in the power of the Spirit. We're going in the power of the Spirit. This church is going in the power of the Spirit. No other way, not man's way. We're going in the power of the Spirit, Lord. We thank you. And Lord, we agree. We agree. We agree. We agree with your word. We agree with your spirit. We agree with your blood. We agree. And we will not be weary in well-doing. And we will not faint. We will not. We will be made strong. Just like Hebrews 11 says, because we are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. And Jesus endured, and we will too. And Father, I thank you for the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus' name, amen.